Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. Good to be with the church, as a matter of fact. I, uh, before we start, I want to say thank you to uh, Jeff Perry and uh, those that helped last week while I was gone. I finally got a weekend off, and I went home, and, and I had a family reunion I attended, and it was a very interesting thing. I thought I was Dutch. For 57 years, I thought I was Dutch. I found out I'm English. Who knew? Who knew? Well, anyway, we're so glad that you're here today. If you're a guest, we hope that you have felt welcome and uh, that you are encouraged by the music and worship. And uh, as we go into this time, I uh, just want to tell you that I appreciate you being here and supporting our church. There's a lot of places that you could have gone to worship today, and you came to be with us, and we're grateful for that. We're very grateful for that. I want to talk to you today uh, about a topic that's a little difficult for me, but I think it's necessary. Um, And the title of this sermon is that God never said that. Um, And I want to read to you from John, uh, the 14th chapter, and I'm going to read a couple verses. This is the passage of scripture where Jesus was talking to the disciples And he said, you know, I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you. I've quoted this many, many times in my ministry. I've used it at cemeteries. I've used it at funeral homes. uh, Because he talks about in the world, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. But he goes on and he talks to the disciples and he says uh, to them, uh, he says to them, you know where I'm going in the way you know where I'm going. Well, there was this guy there. And I'm not sure if he was a Baptist or not, but he sounds like a Baptist because he doubted. His name was Thomas. And uh, this verse is what I want to read to you. Uh, This is from the 14th chapter, verses 5 and 6, and it says this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now pay close attention to this. Jesus answered him. He said, I am the way. The truth and the life. Watch this. No one goes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you know him through me and have seen him in me. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, the living word. God, as we enter this time, I pray that you would uh, give me the words to say that you would use me to speak what it is that is truth and what it is that you want us to hear today. May your Holy Spirit speak in this room, and may we be encouraged to know that you love us enough to send your Son to us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. All of God's people together said, Amen. In 2010, there was a survey that was taken. It was a study. It was reported by the Pew Research Center's Forum of Religion and Public Life. And here's what it said. Now, this was in 2010. 84% of the world population has faith. 84%. I I wouldn't have thought it was that high, probably, if they'd ask me, but what do I know? A third of that 84% are Christian. 2.2 billion Christians in the world. Half of the Christians that are surveyed in this survey were Catholic, and the uh, 37% were Protestants. 
It's an interesting to study statistics. I, I like statistics like that. Interesting. I read another article in the National Geographic, and it said this. In 2016, it stated that the religiously unaffiliated call themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And it's the second largest religious group in North America. America, in America, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, make up almost a quarter of the population. That's interesting, those statistics. You know, in today's culture, there are many ideas and belief systems. We're no, there's no shortage on, on what people think about religion and about God and about the hereafter and about the here and now. And I mean, you... you you can find a smorgasbord, a buffet. There are many religions in the world, and there may be some beauty in all of them and some truth in all of them. However, they are not all the same. In today's culture, we have so many thoughts on religion. As a pastor, I get into some very interesting conversations. Talk to people, and I'm sure once you say you're Christian, a lot of folks will stir up conversations with you, and the next thing you know, you're off and running, and boy, you hear all kinds of things. All kinds of things. So many ideas and concepts about living and dying, and one of those concepts today is what I want to talk to you about, and that concept is, and you hear this, there may be even some in this room that believe this, and this has been said to me. It doesn't matter what I believe about God as long as I'm sincere. We've heard that, haven't we? Another one is, all roads lead to God. Man, doesn't that sound good? Whew, I'd like that to be true. I would like that to be true. But I'm here to tell you today, folks, the Bible speaks a very clear and different message as we just read. And God never said that in the scripture. You notice when we talk about God, you can talk about God, people are, uh, you know, open to that a lot of times. When people win an award at a Grammy award show, what do they say? I'd like to thank God for this award, which is cool. You see people winning sports events or something happens and they say, I would like to thank God, right? But you ever notice when you're talking about God, the references that are made, a lot of times we refer to it as a higher power or, um, you know, you can talk about spiritual things and referencing him. But where the rubber really hits the road is when you say the name Jesus. It, 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 sometimes it can be a little, you know, you can feel the tension. This is where a controversy usually arises sometimes. Occasionally, you'll get someone who said, you know, I don't believe that Jesus ever existed. I, I've, I've run into people like that. Um, there was a great philosopher that taught that, that Jesus never even walked the earth. Uh, people accept, most people accept that Jesus did live and walk the earth. And most people that I've talked to have no problem with what he, what he taught and the teachings of Jesus, that we're to love one another, we're to help the poor, we're to be generous, forgive those who hurt us. But how we view Jesus and who he is is an issue to many people. You see, it's usually the claim that Jesus made that was and is most upsetting to people. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me, through me. It's that exclusive claim that sets him apart, though, from all others. No one. You see, Christianity differs from all other religions because... 
Christianity is based on a personal relationship. And God exposed himself through this man called Jesus, his only begotten son. And he was Jesus the Christ. I acknowledge that there are some truths in in all the different religions, possibly. I've heard a lot of truths in some of them. But that doesn't mean that we're all the same. This isn't popular today. This was hard for me to put this together. I'm going to tell you. Because we live in a society where we have to kind of be careful. And and I respect other folks' religions. I do. I do. And I want people to respect mine. But I also believe that there are differences in the sense of who Jesus was and what he did for us. Amen? So today as we look at this belief and these concepts, I would ask you to do something. I would ask for you to consider Jesus. Not look at me, not look at another person that you know that's, that's a Christ follower, because, you know, even among Christians, we're different. But let's look at Jesus. Let's look at who he was. Not some belief system, but look at Jesus. Consider Jesus. And the first thing I think we should do when we talk about Jesus is consider his ministry. Look at what he did. First of all, when Jesus came to the world, It was very unique the way he came, wasn't it? Born of a virgin, the son of God. And when he became of age, he began to preach the gospel at 12 years old. There he is preaching the gospel. And mom and dad went off and left him and come back and realized he was gone. And he said, I must be about my father's business. He had a mission. He knew what his mission was in life. And as he grew and as he matured, Jesus didn't go and hang out with a lot of the religious folks all the time. Who do you hang out with? The sinners. And who got upset? The religious folks did, didn't they? Yeah. In Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, they said, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, we talked about uh, Zacchaeus. We talked about him going home with him that day, and he was a tax collector, and that was like, wow. I mean, he's like hanging out with a sinner. Why would he do that? And these religious folks were like tore all to pieces about that. But that's exactly why Jesus came. To reach out to sinners. And if you look in Mark chapter 2 verse 17 as we examine Jesus' ministry, he said this. He said healthy people don't need a doctor. Those who are sick need a doctor. And I've come to call sinners not people who think they have God's approval. Come on. Isn't that good news? When we look at the ministry of Jesus, we see something different here. Jesus came to do one thing, and that was to seek the lost. Aren't you grateful for that today? Somebody say amen. Amen. He came for sinners, people like me. To those whom others despised, Jesus loved. Jesus opened blind eyes, part of his ministry. You see, he he was the son of God. He healed the deaf. He touched the leper. He not only met their physical needs, but he met their spiritual needs. One of the greatest stories that I I love this story uh, because I think it shows who Jesus was and it shows his ministry. It kind of epitomizes his ministry. I wrote a song about this this event a few years back, and it actually did pretty well. And it was called Stones. I'll tell you about this story in just a second. I got a call one day. And a le- or I got a letter in the mail, and the lady said, it's a story about Jesus, the lady that was taken in adultery, caught in adultery, you know that story? 
They drug her out into the street. Can you imagine the humiliation? They brought her to him, and they said, hey, what are we supposed to do with her? Because the law says we should stone her. And Jesus said, let him that is without sin throw the first rock. I can imagine. Can you imagine hearing the sounds of those rocks as they dropped? Nobody was left. And when Jesus looked up, he said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He said, I don't accuse you either. And notice what Jesus said. Go and sin no more. That's grace. Jesus reached out to this lady. The song that I wrote, I got, a, I got a letter in the mail, and she was from Missouri, and I'd written this song, and it made it on the radio, and was getting some airplay, and this lady wrote me a song, wrote me this letter, and she was uh, so sweet, and she said, you know what? I'm just glad that people aren't throwing rocks at me anymore because I found the Lord. And that's the message of Jesus that we don't throw rocks, that we love one another, and that we preach the gospel. Amen? That's what it's about. Jesus reached out in that same way. The fact that some of us are listening here today in this room is a miracle. What were you doing 10 years ago? 20 years ago? 30 years ago? Maybe it takes 30 to recognize how big of a miracle it really was for me. It's about 30 years ago. It's a miracle that I'm even here today. And God be the glory, not me. It was his ministry. It was his love that reached out and drew me to the cross. That's why he could go to the cross and die for us. Because Jesus loved us so much. He was born like no other, sinless like no other. He was truly the son of God. And as you look at this cross on the wall behind me, I wonder how many times that I looked at that and I've thought about it as he hung there and he was dying for the sins of mankind for you and for me. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They pulled his beard. Everything you could think of. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And then you notice what he says. It's finished. See, religion is about me, about mankind. But Jesus is about a relationship. And there's a difference in that. Because of what Jesus did, we can have a relationship, a personal relationship. And it's not about what I can do to earn it, but it's about what Jesus has done. Because when he said it's finished, it was finished. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's a personal relationship as we consider the message of Jesus. The second thing that I think we need to consider when we're talking about this, Jesus saying that he's the way, is his resurrection. The power of the resurrection. And I want to read a passage to you out of 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote this. And here's what he said. Brothers and sisters... I'm making known to you the good news which I already told you, which you received, and on which your faith is based. In addition, you are saved by this good news. If you hold on to the doctrine I taught you, unless you believed it without thinking it over. I passed on to you the most important points of the doctrine, Paul goes on to say, that I had received. And here's what he says. 
Christ died to take away our sins as the scripture predicted. It's the most important thing Paul said. He was placed in a tomb, he goes on. He was brought back to life on the third day as the scripture predicted. He appeared to Cephas. Watch this, you guys. Check this out. He appeared to the 12 apostles. These people are still living. He appeared to more than 500 believers. 500 believers. This room holds about, what, 450? 500? About what we got right here, he appeared to them. Next, he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me. I'm like an aborted fetus who was given life. I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even fit to be called an apostle, Paul said, because I persecuted the church. Everybody knows the story about Paul. He was the one that was standing there leading the charge against the church, and then he takes a turn because of the ministry of Christ, because of the grace of God. He says, I don't even belong to be here, but I am by the grace of God. But God's kindness made me what I am, and what that kindness was not wasted on me. Instead, I worked harder than all the others. It was not I who did it, but God's kindness was to me. So whether it was I or someone else, this is the message we brought to you, and this is what you believed. Paul believed in the power of the cross. He believed in the power of the resurrection, and that sets apart Christianity. Because Jesus went into a tomb, died, and he rose again. No one else has ever done that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Skeptics will say, well, the Roman soldiers probably stole his body. That's one of the theories. Well, don't you think that the enemy of Christ would have loved to produce a dead body to prove that he had not risen? Don't you think that would make sense? Or how about this? The theory that Christians stole his body. Well, that means that they would have to uh, overpower the Roman guards. And I don't know if you've read much about the Roman guards, but that would have been a task. Yeah, right. Overpower the Roman guards and steal his body. I don't think so. Or how about the, the disciples stole his body for the motive of being followers and killed? Ah. What would they have gained for doing that? Eleven uneducated men pulling off the greatest scam in history. What, what possibly would they have had to gain by that? All of the eleven later died as martyrs, except one, John. And he died a natural death. See, when you consider the power of the resurrection, you realize that it's a life-changing thing. It's a powerful thing that happens in our lives as Christians. Not what we do, but what God did on the cross. And because of that, we are overcomers. We consider the resurrection as we consider Jesus. The third thing is considering his message. Romans 3.22 says, Everyone who believes has God's approval through faith in Jesus Christ. We consider the eternal message of Jesus. This book is fascinating to me. I, uh, I spent four years in school studying it. I've tried to be an avid reader of it most of my life. Um, it's an amazing book. And the fact that it spans so many years and you see the interweaving 
And you see the truths. You see the prophecies of things that Jesus was to come and how he fulfilled those prophecies. What are the odds of that happening? I mean, just the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just that one prophecy is the odds of that hitting, you know what I mean, without knowing are are just tremendous. We have to look through eyes of faith, don't we? Look through eyes of faith. So we consider this message of the gospel. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's done. It's done. Think about that. Jesus died on a cross so we could have eternal life. Why would somebody make that up? Why in the world would somebody die for our sins if it wasn't for real? Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? That's why they call it the gospel. It's done. Jesus said it's finished, and it was. And if we accept Jesus Christ in our life, it's done. Not because you or I are good, but because God is good. Interesting thing, Thomas doubted he was the only one. How would you like to have that hanging over your head? I'm Thomas. I'm the one that doubted. Yeah, way to go, buddy. You know, the story goes that Thomas, Jesus appeared to him, and Thomas encountered a living Christ. After he did that, Thomas went to India, and he became a great evangelist. Did you know that? He preached the gospel in India. Now, this is the guy that was doubting, but he encountered a living Lord, a living Christ, and it was done. It was, he realized what Christ had done in his life. He went to India. He's preaching the gospel. They caught him, and they said, hey, you got to stop this. Stop preaching the gospel. And you know what he said? I will never renounce my Savior. And so they drove a spear through doubting Thomas's body. He wasn't doubting Thomas anymore, was he? Why? Why would he die for his faith when he once doubted? Because you see, Thomas encountered a living Christ. And when you do that, it changes everything. When you recognize When we recognize as human beings that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for you and to die for me on a cross, that we might have eternal life, man, that changes things. It's a little overwhelming if you think about it. He did that so we could be put in a relationship with God. Wow. It's done. Jesus didn't come to create another religion. Jesus came to show us the love of God. You see, religion is about me. Relationship is about Jesus. Religion says, if I'm good enough, God will love me. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Somebody say, I'm glad. Because Jesus is about a relationship. And you don't have to be good enough. You just have to come to him and trust him. It's amazing. Relationship says, because God loves me, 
He accepts me. I've thought about this my whole life as a Christian. How do we get that across? How do we get that across? How do we share the fact that God loves us and accepts us as the church? I think it's by loving other people and sharing the gospel with other people. Not, you know, muscling it, but just sharing the love of Christ. Because he accepts me, I choose to obey him. You see, there's nothing that I can do or that you can do to cause him to love you any more than he already does. You ever think about that? There's nothing you can do to get him to love you anymore. He loves you. There's nothing you can do to cause him to love you any less. God loves you. He loves you that much. And so, in reviewing the life of Christ and in considering Jesus, when we consider his ministry, when we consider his resurrection, when we consider his message, we see that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? I'm going to ask you today to stand with me as we pray. We're going to go into a time of invitation. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross and that you loved us so much. Lord, I pray that your word goes out, that it touches the hearts of us, of us here, and that we would share this great message with the rest of the world, Lord. We love you and we thank you for caring for us. And so, Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, we pray, God, that no one would leave here today uncertain, that everyone would know that you loved us, that we can look at the cross and see what great love you have for us, Father. Bless this time of commitment, Lord, time of communion as we have it available. Pray, God, you bless those who come and partake of that. So may your will be done in these final moments of our service, and we pray it in Jesus' name.